Amen. Same key. Whatever key that was, brother. Was a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Help me sing it. Oh. We do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's sing that again. What a friend we have in Jesus. Hallelujah. All our sins and griefs to bear. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege to carry everything to God. Wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit. Forever I pray with fathomless. Billows of love. Let's sing that again. Sing peace. Wonderful peace. Hallelujah. Coming down from the Father above. fathomless billows of love. Hallelujah. Don't we serve a wonderful God? Oh, He is wonderful. He's wonderful. Nobody like Jesus. Oh, come on, church. We serve a wonderful God. Hallelujah, I know the world looks dim and it looks grim and, and there seems to be no joy anywhere but there is light in the evening time. Praise God. There is light in the evening time. The path to God, glory, you will surely find. It's the waterway, and it's the light today, baptized in Jesus' name. Well, young and old, repent of all your sins, and
and the Holy Ghost will enter in. The evening time has come. You almost got it. Tis the fact that God in Christ. Uh, say it again. There shall be light in the evening time. The path to glory you will surely find. It's the waterway and it's the light today. Baptize in Jesus' name. Oh, young and old, repent of all your sins. And the Holy Ghost will enter in. The evening time has come. Tis the fact that God and Christ are one. Hallelujah. Well, that's what I grew up on. It was good then and it's still good today. Praise God. I like music that has doctrine in it. Amen. Let's just know where we ought to stand. Praise God. Give, it gave us the foundation of which we stand on tonight. Praise God. There's none like it. Hallelujah. Then somebody over on another side would say there's one, 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 one way to God. Uh, y'all better get with that. There is one, 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 one way to God. Baptize in Jesus' name. Oh, let me stop. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell our church, I'm, I'm a little tired of this loving on Jesus music. Amen. Give me some of that old-fashioned stuff. Praise God. It makes me happy. Praise the Lord. It is an honor to be here. Praise the Lord. I was not expecting to preach. Um, I, was, I was just wanting to be in church. I'm here at Tiff College for some training. And um, I text Brother Ryan and, and, and wanted to know how far was church. Um, and make sure I wasn't driving two hours. But I do believe that a church alive is worth the drive, isn't it? I passed a few churches on the way here, but I was glad to see Apostolic Tabernacle, that sign, amen. Oh, I love this Jesus name message. Everywhere that I go, that's the message that I'm preaching. It's a simple, simple message. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I'm so thankful and honored to be here with, with Pastor French. Uh, thank you, what my friend, Brother Ryan French, serve on the on the youth uh, committee with him. So thankful for the bishop, praise the Lord, and Sister Cole. Good to have our elders with us tonight. Amen. I'm so thankful for all of you, and it is indeed a pleasure to be here in the absence of my wife and my daughter tonight, uh, who could not be here with me because I'm here all week for training. But again, thank you for the opportunity. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 17. The book of Luke chapter 17. And we will begin reading at the 26th verse. Luke chapter 17. Beginning at the 26th verse. 
and it says, and as the day, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they made wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. I want to speak to you on that Verse there, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I am reminded of the story, the tale of two cities, uh, written by that famous novelist, Charles Dickens. And he starts that book by saying it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And he tells us that it was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the it was the um, the the spring of wisdom. It was the winter of despair. He he French Revolution that is between London and Paris, and he in a sense, in my mind, helps us try to understand this great battle that is going on here, this, this, this parallel of good versus evil or right versus wrong, one trying to win against the other. And as a, a young preacher, at least, I, I think I'm still pretty young. I'm only in my 30s, so I, that's still pretty young, Brother Ryan. Amen. 30s is the new... Teens, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Amen. And so everywhere that I go, uh, Pastor French, I am, I'm trying to remind my generation and I'm trying to firm on the, the doctrine, to stand firm on the foundation that was once delivered unto the saints. I, I don't want to believe any other gospel and I don't want to go any other way and and I certainly don't believe it's time for the church of God to compromise what we believe or to become weak Christians and, 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 and maybe not know what we believe or why we believe it. But it's time, saints of God, to stand flat-footed on the word of God and, and without fear or favor know what you believe and why you believe it. Amen. Because the world is asking questions. And we ought to be ready to give an answer. But I know that there are few warnings in scripture. That are more solemn than this one. When Jesus tells us to simply remember Lot's wife. I believe that Lot's wife was a professor of religion. Because her husband was a righteous man. 
We see that in 2 Peter chapter 2 and 8. She left Sodom with him on the day when Sodom was destroyed. And she looked back towards the city from behind her husband. Against God's express command, she was struck dead at once and ultimately turned into a pillar of salt. Is it okay if I take my coat off? I was in Montana for all that time. I guess I still have that thick blood. I don't know. Still trying to get used to this Georgia heat. Don't take anything out of my pockets. (laughs) Amen. That's my friend. And so, the Lord, we see that she was turned into a pillar of salt. The Lord Jesus Christ holds her, I believe, up as a beacon to his church. And he says to us to simply remember Lot's wife. It is a solemn warning when we think of the person that Jesus names. You see, he does not bid us to remember Abraham. He does not bid us to remember Isaac or Jacob or Sarah or Hannah or Ruth. No, he singles out one whose soul was lost forever. And he cries to us to Remember, Lot's wife. It is a solemn warning when we consider the subject that Jesus is upon. He is speaking of his own second coming to come and judge the world. And he is describing the awful state of unreadiness, I believe, in which many will ultimately be even found today. The last days were on his mind when he says, remember Lot's wife. It is a solemn warning when we think of the person who gave it. The Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he is full of love. He's full of mercy. He's full of compassion. And he is one who will not break the bruised reed nor quench the smoking flax. He could weep over unbelieving Jerusalem and pray for the men that crucified him. Yet even he thinks it is good to give this solemn warning and to remind us of lost souls. Even, he says, remember Lot's wife it is a solemn warning when we think of the persons to whom it was first given the Lord Jesus was speaking to his disciples he was not addressing the scribes and Pharisees who hated him but he was speaking to Peter to James to John He was speaking to many others who loved him, yet even to them he thinks good to address this caution. Even them, he says, to them, he says, remember. 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 Lot's wife. I will try to speak of some religious privileges that I believe that Lot's wife enjoyed. You know, in the days of Abraham and Lot, true saving religion was really scarce upon the earth. There were no Bibles. 
There weren't that many ministers. There weren't churches. There weren't no tracks, you know, word of flame, publishing houses. There, there weren't no missionaries. The knowledge of God was confined to, praise God, good to see I had a chief master sergeant or senior master sergeant. Senior master sergeant. All right. Amen. God bless the Air Force. Hallelujah. Amen. I served in the Air Force. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Sorry about that, church. Amen. Amen. I believe there was none of that. It was confined to a few favored families. The greater part of the inhabitants of the world were living in darkness. They were living in ignorance. They were living in superstition. They were living in sin. Not one in a hundred perhaps had such a good example. Such spiritual society. Such clear knowledge. Such plain warnings as Lot's wife. She lived real close to it. Compared with millions of her fellow creatures or people and inhabitants of that time. I believe that she really was a favored woman. She had a godly man for her husband. She had Abraham, the father of the faithful. It was her uncle by marriage. She had the faith, the knowledge, and the prayers of these two righteous men. Certainly that could not have been any secret to her. It is impossible that she could have dwelled in tents with them for any length of time without knowing who, whose they were and, and whom they served. Religion was really no formal business to them. It was the ruling principle of their lives. And it was the mainspring of their actions. All this Lot's wife must have seen and known. This was no small privilege. Remember Lot's wife. I've heard it said that there aren't any grandsons and granddaughters in heaven. There's only sons and daughters. I do believe, and excuse me if you think I'm being mean, I'm really not trying to, but I believe that there are some that will ultimately live and be in the church but still be lost. Remember Lot's wife. No small privilege. When Abraham first received the promise, you know, it's probable that Lot's wife was there. When he built the tent between Hai and Bethel, it's probable that she was there. When the angels came to Sodom and he warned her husband to flee, I believe she saw them. When they took them by the hand and led them out of the city, she was one of those whom they helped to escape. Once more, I say these were no small privileges. Yet, what good effect had all these privileges on the heart of Lot's wife? None. Can I say to you, none. None at all. Notwithstanding all her opportunities and means of grace, notwithstanding all of her special warnings and messages from heaven, she lived and she died graceless, godless, impenitent, unbelieving. Yeah. 
The eyes of her understanding were never open. Makes me afraid to see some in my own inner, in my own generation who were raised in the church. I was telling Pastor French and the Pentecostal assemblies of the world. So for five generations, I've been privileged and have such a heritage to be in this truth. But even some of my own family believe that this is merely tradition. It's old-fashioned. It's not relevant. She died graceless, godless, and pitting on believing. And her eyes of understanding were never open. Her conscience was never really aroused and quickened. Her will was never really brought into a state of obedience to God. Her affections were never really set on things above. Oh God, let us believe again to set our affections on things above and not on things below. God help us to get heaven on our mind. Oh God. I tell our church every Sunday, if you don't like conservative preaching, then you ought to find another church. Conservative preaching is growing our church. And I believe that the world wants to really hear conservative preaching. No one wants to hear a watered-down message that is incapable of saving anybody, that is incapable of not delivering anybody. It was conservative preaching. It was old-fashioned preaching that helped me saw my sin, that helped me saw the air that I was in, and made me want to live right every day. It is the right preaching of God. It gives you a strong foundation. A house that's not built on sand that's shaking, but a house that is built on a rock. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone of that foundation. Oh, there ain't no other message. Amen. There ain't no other message. You have to excuse my South Georgia vernacular. There ain't no other message. Perfections weren't set on things above. We first went to Bainbridge. We didn't, there was maybe 15. And so we started winning a lot of young people. And I'd get on the organ, I'd start playing. And y'all can sing all those, you know, contemporary love on Jesus songs too, you know. But I wanted to give them something more than that. So when, you know, when they got to, we got them filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Got them living right and separated, holy unto God. And, and, and living lives unto holiness. They started singing. They said, Pastor, we don't know any of those songs. I said, that's why I'm teaching you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And so practice for us, I walked in and I heard, I, was, I don't know if that was the church, the, the kids somewhere upstairs getting with it or, or if that was practice going up upstairs. But, but I said, all right, somebody's having church. But our practice didn't consist of that. We got the uh, sing unto the Lord hymnals out. I said, now, I'm going to teach you how to sing out of a hymnal. I'm going to teach you these songs. And so they would read, and, and they would see the songs, and they would begin reading, and they would see songs uh, that were written by Bishop G.T. Haywood. And they see, and they, they understanding now what Pastor means about uh, that the name is in the blood and the blood is in the name and so and so they see that correlation there and it makes sense and so their eyes are open and they're growing into a relationship with God and so they're getting a good doctrinal foundation and so it was there and my goal my intent was to help them to grow into a deeper relationship with God to not be tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine. You know, anything sometimes will just, people come up with some of the silliest things sometimes, and it's a new revelation. Solomon told us there ain't nothing new under the sun. <laughs> it's in the word of God, you want to find it. It's there. But she had all those privileges. I'm sure she could sing all the songs. She'd been in all the prayer meetings. She'd been in all the revivals. Yet what good effect had all these privileges on her heart? None. None. The form of religion which she had was kept up for fashion's sake. And not from feeling. It was a cloak worn for the sake of pleasing her company. But not from any sense of value. She did as others around her and Lot's house. She conformed to her husband's ways. She made no opposition to his religion. She allowed herself to be passively towed along in his wake. But all this time. Her heart was wrong in the sight of God. You see, the world was in her heart. And her heart was in the world. In this state, she lived. And in this state, she died. Love, not the world. Oh, that's still good preaching. That's still good preaching, young people. Love not the world. Can I say that one more time? Love not the world. In all of this, there is much to be learned. I see a lesson here which is of the greatest importance in this present day. You live in times when there are many people just like Lot's wife. There's several, many tons of people, denominal people, Pentecostal people, who come and hear the lesson which her case is meant to teach. Learn then that the mere possession of religious 
privileges will save no one's soul. You may have spiritual advantages. You may have a heritage that goes back to five generations. You may live in the full sunshine of the richest opportunities and means of grace. You may enjoy the best of preaching and the choices of instruction. You may dwell in the midst of knowledge, holiness, and good company. And all this may be. And yet, we can remain unconverted. And at last, be lost forever. I say, this doctrine... This, I, this doctrine sounds hard to some. I know that many fancy, they want nothing but religious privileges. I know young men like that, religious privileges, in order to become decided Christians. They are not what they ought to be. They allow but their position is so hard. They plead, and their difficulties are many. Give me a godly boyfriend, a godly girlfriend, a godly husband, a godly wife. Give us godly companions. Or a godly master, give them preaching of the gospel. Give them privileges. Give us these privileges, God, and we'll walk for you. We'll, we'll obey your word. We'll do what you want us to do. You see, but it's all a mistake. I, I believe it's an entire delusion. It requires something more than privileges to save souls. You see, Joab was David's captain. Gehazi was Elisha's servant. Demas was Paul's companion. Judas was Christ's disciple. And Lot had a worldly unbelieving wife and these all died in their sins they went down to the pit in spite of knowledge warnings and opportunities and they all teach us that it is not privileges alone that men need they need the grace of God they need the Holy Ghost Let us value our religious privileges. But let us not rest entirely on them alone. Let us desire to have the benefit of them in all our movements in life. But let us not put them in the place of Jesus Christ. Let us use them thankfully. It gives, it, if God gives them to us, but let us take care. They produce some fruit in our heart and in our life. And if they do not do good, then they often do positive harm. They sear their conscience. They increase responsibility. They aggravate condemnation. This is what they do. That same fire which melts the wax 
you know it hardens the clay. The same fire that melts the wax hardens. It hardens. It hardens the clay. Let us not value or let us value those privileges. You know, the same sun which makes that tree grow, that same sun dries up that dead tree and it prepares it for burning. Nothing, nothing so hardens the heart of man as a barren familiarity with sacred things. Sacred things. Can I say it again? It is not privileges alone which make people Christians, but it's the grace of God, the Holy Ghost, without which no man can be saved. I ask those who attend a sound ministry, a sound church, sound doctrine in this present day, mark them well. You may say you go to Mr. A's church, Mr. B's church. You think him an excellent preacher. You may love his sermons. And you don't want to hear anybody else's preaching. You think him to be a great preacher, excellent preacher. You have delight in his sermons. You have learned many things since you've been in this ministry. You consider it a privilege to be one of his hearers. All this is very good. It's a privilege We should be thankful for our pastors. We should be thankful for our ministers. We're nothing without them. But after all, what have you got in your heart? Have you yet received the Holy Ghost? And if not, friend, you were no better than Lot's wife. I asked the children of religious parents to listen. And mark what I'm saying. It is the highest privilege to be a child of a godly father and mother. And to be brought up in the midst of prayers, of hearing our father pray, our mothers pray. It is a blessed thing to be taught the gospel from our earliest years. From our infancy, I was taught the gospel. I heard of sin. I was taught one God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I was taught to be baptized in Jesus' name. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must live a life of separation unto God. I was taught that it was holiness or hell. I was taught this as long as I could remember. But listen, take heed that you do not remain barren and unfruitful in the sunshine and the delight of all these privileges. Beware lest your heart remain hard and pitting. Worldly, notwithstanding the many advantages that are right here in the church. See, we cannot enter the kingdom of God on the credit of our parents' religion. You see, you've got to eat of the bread of life for yourself. You've got to have the witness of the Spirit in your own heart. You must have repentance of your own. Faith of your own. 
sanctification of your own. And if not, we are no better than Lot's wife. And so I pray that all professing Christians in these days may lay these things to heart. May we never forget that privileges, Pentecostal privileges alone, cannot and will not save us. Light and knowledge and faithful preaching, abundant means of grace and the company of holy people are all great blessings and advantages. Happy are they that have them. But after all, there is one thing without which privileges are useless. That one thing is the grace of the Holy Ghost. Lot's wife had Many privileges. But Lot's wife did not have grace. Remember his solemn warning to remember Lot's wife. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. The epoch of belief. The epoch of incredulity. The parallel was drawn. The tale of two cities. Yet we stand having to make a decision even in the church. That we must make a choice. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, there's some things that we just, we, we, we keep, we try so hard to, to relegate what our six-year-old is exposed to. There's just some children that she can't hang out with. There's just some places that she can't go. There's just some things that she can't do. I've heard, had people tell me, you might as well put that child in a bubble. I said, well, then it's my child, and I'll put her in a bubble, and it'll be a decision that I'll make, and I'll ultimately have to be responsible for her, and you're not. So keep your mouth shut. As for me and my house. I said, as for me and my house. I'm not going to be in church and be lost. I'm not going to be in revival, camp meeting and prayer meeting and be lost. I don't want to be a memorial to the world. Remember, remember, we can live this close to the father of the faith. This close, and yet, take it for granted. Take it 
for granted. Thank you for the opportunity. It certainly was not in my intent to be mean or callous, hard. Amen. In fact, I didn't come to preach. So if you don't like it, these two are responsible. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to witness to you tonight. I count it a pleasure and an honor. God bless you with his truth.